Carlucci. I'm here with Jay Horgan, and we are the co-hosts of A Priest, a Rabbi, and a Minister Walk Into a Radio Station. Thank you very much for joining our show today. Our featured conversants are Rabbi Tom Alpert, Reverend Kathy McAdams, and joining us as a new member is Pastor Jacob. So before we launch into the subject of the day, why don't we just take a minute to catch up with one another since we last chatted in January and see how things are going in your various communities of faith and in some of your networking on behalf of your communities of faith, either through um, the Interfaith Council or through the Franklin Area Nonprofit Network. And so, um, Reverend Kathy, I would ask that maybe you would lead us off this morning and bring us up to date on St. John's and how things are going. Sure. Things are good at St. John's Episcopal Church. Um, I think uh, we're all kind of starting to come back together after lots of COVID infections, but fortunately nothing too serious. Um, and uh, we're, we're worshiping in person with all the windows open and all our masks on and most of us vaccinated and we're soon going to be regathering for church school. They took a little time off to let things settle down there. But um, yeah, we're happy to, to be together. And we're, we're doing a, Adult Ed is doing a book discussion right now. We're reading the Book of Joy, which is about the relationship between the Dalai Lama and the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who just recently passed away. He was uh, a great champion in the anti-apartheid movement and um, and an archbishop in the Anglican Communion of which we are part. So uh, happy to be reading that. It's a it's a really fun book. I think I've added it to my list of uh, books that I too would like to read. Uh, these you know, different titles come into our lives in different ways, and I thank you for sharing this one with us. It's, yeah, it's a quick read. It's it's very light and fun. That's wonderful. And everybody is excited to be back and worshiping in person safely, but together. Yep, absolutely. We all have our winter coats on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Um, Rabbi Tom, I'll, uh, I, I'm wondering if you can give us a, an up-to-date on how things are going at Temple and uh, in your community. I'd be glad to. I've never actually been called a conversant before. I like that. Um <laughs> I also like the way that the name of the show keeps changing week to week. Minister, priest, rabbi, priest, minister, rabbi, priest, rabbi, whatever. It's actually fun. So we're, 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 we're flexible. Uh, things are good at, at Templates High. Uh, we are still, uh, so we have a reopening committee that meets and uh, it is scheduled to meet the next week. But so far, uh, we're still under the previous guidance of, uh, of doing everything virtual. But I have a fairly strong feeling that we're going to be opening up uh, uh, pretty quickly uh, coming up. So uh, uh, we have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I would imagine that uh, certainly by the end of the month, uh, uh, we will start having people together. And uh, uh, I don't know if our people are quite willing to be as uh, as uh, uh, to keep their coats on and have the windows open for the entire service, but we'll see. Um, you know, we've got, uh, we're doing a variety of, of, uh, of things. We're uh, looking forward to, we're having a, our 
We have our temple gala in the in the uh, in April. It was always a big uh, event for our temple. Our arts fundraiser it was also our chance to honor um, recipients of what we call our Tree of Life Awards uh, from Temple Etzchayim. One is an inside the temple family, and uh, and the other is a community uh, member. Our community honoree this year is going to be Father Brian Manning. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, um, so you know, our congregation, as with many others, has gotten involved in the uh, school meals for all plan, a, a proposal to the legislature to make uh, uh, meals, school meals, uh, free to all uh, children in the Massachusetts public schools. Uh, the we presented to the legislature, which has uh, decided to is uh, asking has decided to to extend the deadline for deciding whether our bill goes in or not. So they're, they're thinking about it. The committee, the education committee is uh, thinking hard about it. So anybody knows anyone who can reach out to a legislator to support this, that would be wonderful because we have a lot of co-sponsors. We'd like to get the bill from committee out onto the floor of the legislature and uh, are very much hoping that will happen. So, um, and we're working with uh, faith communities of all sorts on that. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much where things are at Temple Saim. Just circling back to the legislation for a minute, you mm-hmm. said that they're, you're kind of, uh, you're, you're on a pathway and it's still moving forward. So mm-hmm. they, they haven't made a final decision. What, what is that timeline or what are we looking at so that if people want to reach out to their uh, local um, representatives, state senators, state reps, that sort of thing, what are we looking at in a timeline? The education committee, by extending it, gives themselves until the end of June, I'm sorry, until uh, early June to uh, make a decision, though they could do it earlier. So sooner rather than later, and, uh, you know, uh, both all of our local representatives, our local uh, representatives and senators uh, in Franklin have come out in support, but you know, support is one thing, really pushing it is another. So as much as we can do to get people to push it, even if the, even if, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with someone who has supported it, it doesn't hurt to say, we really try to urge the committee to, to move it uh, onto the floor. This is such a powerful um, initiative um, to have angst while waiting in the school lunch line as a young person. It, it just shouldn't be. Yes, it should be. shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's. It's. I'd. Ra- I don't want to go through all the reasons behind it, but you're right. It shouldn't be. So it's. It, it's. It's wonderful to hear, and it's nice to hear how uh, a um, a faith community can address this kind of issue. Um, that's a community issue. So thank you for sharing that with us and broadening our lens as to what is going on um, at the temple, Pastor Yunker. Uh, I. Uh, kind of went around and made uh, and and left you in the last position just to give you a little bit of ex- extra time to prepare uh, for your first because this is your first official um, uh, appearance on the uh, radio show and to give you a level of comfort and see what's going on and uh, so would you bring us up to date on the United Methodist Church and your faith community? Sure. So we um, we are continuing to worship in person. Uh, our our heat our windows are not open. We're not as rugged, I suppose, as our Episcopalian friends. Um, 
but we are still uh, requiring masks uh, for all persons who enter our facility. Uh, programmatically, uh, for us at the turn of the year here, uh, we're just simply relaunching our leadership, right? So we have brought in new leaders uh, through a regular, our regular rotation, but also as we, as we start to hopefully enter the end of the pandemic here, we're taking a, a strong look at the, the programs we offer and our calendar for the sheer fact of not, it, it's actually quite timely, the topic for today, so that we don't overwork people even in the church or overcommit people's schedules, or overload people's schedules even in the church. So we are um, slowly beginning to reconsider what it means for us to relaunch our education programs for children and adults, what our meeting schedules look like so that people can take some Sabbath and not not see their faith community as a drain on their life, but something that can give them some respite and uh, some joy and peace. So um, so we are going slow. Uh, worship for us is the primary thing that keeps us going. Uh, I do want to uh, make mention, you know, for uh, us, Lent begins on March 2nd, which is not that far away, uh, and we'll be starting a new discussion series uh, entitled um, Fountains of Grace. And so folks are invited, I'd encourage folks, you know, if they're interested uh, to join us for that series entitled Drink from the Fountain of Grace. Uh, we start on Ash Wednesday and that series will go through Easter, Easter Sunday. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, it, it does sound wonderful. And it's nice to know what the, the focus will be during the, the Linton study. And I think you bring to mind as we um, will discuss more of this in the, the conversation part of this uh, radio show. But as we return to something that we think of as pre-COVID pre, um, pandemic normal, that we have to also pace ourselves so that, uh, I mean, you're just willing to just jump in the, di the deep end. But as you said, you know, it, it needs to go slowly. And uh, I see you you nodding, uh, Jay. Well, I, Pandora, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because I think we're, we're seeing the beginning of it, uh, of people, you know, feeling that we may be on the, at least the end, the beginning of the end. And people are starting, well, I've got to do this, 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 this. Something two and a half years ago, they would have never never thought of doing. You know, they've got to work, to, uh, take care of their children. They need to go uh, to their re respective communities of faith. They, it, it is amazing the number of people that have picked up traveling. Uh, it is just, you know, some people are... It, it, you almost you worry, and and that's why this is such a great topic today. That people are trying to cram in basically the last two years of things they wanted to do in the next week, trying to get it done in seven to ten days, uh, and, and that includes work. You know, they, whether they're going back to offices, not going back to offices, going remote, going some kind of hybrid, but that kind of leads us into what we wanted to talk about. And uh, Pastor Jacob, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, in your mind, 
overwork. What does that mean? Uh, I think I know you provided with us with a dictionary meaning, but it also is a, a different meaning, I think, for every person. So I, I've been reflecting on this quite a bit. Overwork is not a term that has been part of my vocabulary, <laughs> or at least it's not been a term that I've thought a lot about um, because work, uh, I, I, I fall into the trap that we're going to discuss, I think, here in a little bit in terms of work being where we find our identity, where we find our meaning. Uh, and so because of those things, we should commit entirely every ounce of everything we have to it. And I would say that is the definition for me of overwork, where um, it's not just about working too hard or too much, but finding your full identity in your work and thinking that you have to commit every ounce of everything you have and are to it. And that's not always healthy and doesn't always lead to the benefits I think we and I hope that they might, you know, by committing, committing that much of ourselves to it. And Reverend Kathy, uh, I'd ask the similar question of you, <clears throat> excuse me, of you as to, you know, what in your mind uh, defines overwork, defines it for you personally as well as professionally. Uh, do you have some kind of line that you have that that you know you you may achieve and you realize, wait, this is getting a little over the top here. Yeah, so I think for me, overwork means um, my life being out of balance. And I think it's easy for clergy to do that because we feel that God has called us to this work and um, that if we're really aligned with God and and um, living into our call, that it, it often doesn't feel like work. It just flows, uh, which is wonderful. But it can also mean that we neglect other things in our lives, and that's how it gets out of balance. In my in my tradition, I understand both my call to ministry as a vocation, but also my marriage as a vocation. And so um, I need to give. Um, I I don't know if I'll say equal, but I need to give adequate attention to both of those. And you know, sometimes one needs more attention than the other. And also, when I'm not taking time off for myself, for my own prayer practice, things like that. Like for instance, um, I didn't answer any of your emails yesterday and I didn't prepare for this program because Tuesday's my day off. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like I needed to be true to that. And I, I'm not always great at doing that, but I, I try really hard. So, yeah. So that's my definition of overwork. I think you, you bring up a point that uh, I, I suspect is extremely true, but not a lot of people realize it, about uh, people, clergy people, feeling that they're, what they are doing professionally is a calling, and therefore it's a calling. It needs to be committed to 24-7. But that, I would think in some respects that could end up doing more harm than good. You know, to, obviously to you personally, but to people that you're dealing with, your congregation, uh, things like that. Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? I absolutely agree. And 
you know, I think I'm, I'm happy that my congregation seems to have pretty healthy boundaries about that. Like they know if they have a true emergency, they can call me in the middle of the night and I will answer the phone at three in the morning. But if they just want to ask about scheduling on Sunday, they know to do that during office hours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, I think they have a pretty good understanding of that. That's great. That's great. It, Rabbi Tom, same uh, questions, same uh, thoughts. So, you know, when we're talking about, yeah, I mean, I think like my colleagues here, uh, I too find that uh, it it's hard to figure out how to deal with the demands because, um, you know, you do feel what you're doing is holy work. And yet, and so it's a good. And on the other hand, all that stuff about taking care of yourself and your family, that's also holy work and that's also a good. So it's not, you know, it, it's trying to balance those. And we have a, a, a big concept in Judaism has to do with separation. They're, they're, they, they, we have a ceremony at the end of the Sabbath of Shabbat called Havdalah, which means separation. And part of it is a blessing that includes thanking God who separates the Sabbath from regular everyday work days. But there's a variant of that, which takes place when you're going between um, the Sabbath and a festival day. Uh, and so then the term is God who separates the holy from the holy. And that seems to me part of the, the point I'm trying to make is that all these things are holy and yet they each need their own space in their own sphere. And it isn't Oh, I'm being a good person by doing this and this, you know, that I'm, and I can neglect these other things that are also important for me to be a good person. So the answer is I'm not going to get be a perfect person at anything. Uh, you know, the idea of the 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 uh, the, the, the good enough parent, right? to be a good enough rabbi. And that's the, and in terms of your point about you know not being good for the community. Um, I am constantly drawn back to the story in the book of Exodus about Moses and Jethro, Yitro, his father-in-law. Just before the revelation at Sinai, Jethro comes to see Moses and, uh, hey, tell me what happened in Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. And afterwards, he, he watches as Moses goes out to judge the people. And Moses stands there all day and the people are all lined up getting judged. And Jethro says to him, uh-uh, to Moses, right? Uh-uh, not good. This thing you are doing is not good. You're going to wear yourself out and the people as well. If you wear yourself out, you're going to wear out the people. Uh, so every there has, so you have to take some space uh, to refresh and rejuvenate and you know, find, your, find your holiness, your own holiness or you're going to do a lousy job the rest of the day. You think you're helping everyone by working really hard, but in fact, you're not. And I need to remind myself of this at least 10 times a day because otherwise I forget it. I think it's interesting that, you know, as we're listening to the story about Moses wearing himself out, and, and as, as you were sharing with us from scripture that when he wears himself out, you know, it affects everyone else as well. And it's something that we think of today, that whether we are leaders of a large faith community or just individual people with uh, a 
with a more traditional job in 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 a in a different kind of a workplace environment that if we wear ourselves out it doesn't just affect us it affects those in our circle and those in our greater circles and uh the topic that pastor jacob has shared with us today is overwork and we've talked about what it means and and all three of you have shared with us uh boundaries uh that are in place with within your um your practice of of your faith as faith leaders but um how do we draw this line at what point does it become problematic uh is there a clear point at which overwork has gone beyond that that which it should accomplish so i, I think you've given us an idea of what it is but how how do we recognize it how do we see it and 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 what do we do and i would uh, i'd open the floor to uh, whoever would feel uh that they want to contribute first um who has a level of comfort in leading off this section i see smiles uh, I, i will say personally that line is hard for me to find um it is very difficult to figure out where that line is and i wrote that question so i should have had a better answer for it um i will say there is there is a a great sermon by john wesley who is the founder of the methodist movement who uh encouraged the early methodists to do three things to essentially be productive and and earn as much money as you can to then be frugal and then give back as much as you can and in his instructions for earning one of the things um that he said was we shouldn't we shouldn't be employed doing anything that would cause others to sin or fall away from god and so if i think about where the line might be for overwork um i th- i think that same principle could apply so overwork we know where the line is for overwork when our work causes us from maintaining the essential relationships uh in our lives our relationship with god our relationship with our family Uh, and so if at any point our work gets in the way of those life-giving relationships we're called to have as human beings that's when that's where problems arise that is the that is the mark and that in theory could be different than for each of us so what may be overwork for you may not be overwork for me but those necessary relation those relationships that we're called to maintain are arguably pretty much the same between all of us we should maintain our familial relationships our communal relationships and our um spiritual relationships i i i like your uh description uh that it prevents the essential relationships that one has in life with god with family with community and that that does give you an idea of a of a line that indicates you're going into the overwork mode. Um does anybody else see uh that type of a of a uh line in terms of compromising the critical relationships that one has in life with with God, with family, with with friends. Um Rabbi Tom, I I see you nodding. What would how how do you think what do you think oh yeah i uh clearly i think that's 
I think what we're all looking for really is a, a diagnostic tool, right? How do you figure out that you're starting to get into a problem of overwork? I think that the one that uh, Reverend Jacob suggested is a very good one, and, I, and I've used it. Another one is um, to see how you yourself are acting, right? And how you're feeling. If, in, if I find I'm being impatient, if I find I'm being self-absorbed, if I find that I'm you know, doing all kinds of things that I don't like about myself, um, then I'm saying to myself, you know, there's probably something I'm doing wrong. And what I'm doing wrong is I'm not giving myself the proper nourishment. And that means I'm spending so much time doing this. I'm not spending time just, you know, hanging with my family. I'm not spending time reading, uh, walking, whatever my particular form of, of, uh, of uh, whatever my spiritual practice is for uh, getting to a better place. And so then that's a, a good sign that, you know, that's that God doesn't want me to wear myself out that way. It's not a good idea. So I try to change it. Reverend Kathy, I think we've heard two different ways of, of looking into ourselves and looking outwards at uh, crossing the line or approaching the line and, and trying not to cross it um, in terms right. of overworked. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Well, I would agree with everything that both of my colleagues have said. Um, I think, you know, if I start to feel irritable or tense when it feels like there's just not enough time, then I know that I'm not uh, using it wisely. I think about, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh that said everybody should meditate for at least 30 minutes a day. But if you're really busy, then you should meditate for 60 minutes. <laughs> Um, I love that. And yeah, so for me, I think that just speaks to really needing to pay attention to all of those things that, as I said, it's a balance. And, you know, certainly as a person in recovery too, I need to, uh, I need to be particularly aware of not letting things get out of balance. In 12 step, we talk about not being hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Um, so it's, you know, paying attention to my physical needs for uh, good nutrition and sleep and exercise um, and making sure I'm connecting with community and relationships and, um, and, and, and working my program, working all those steps. And so, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, yes, that's all I have to say about that. I think that was well said. Uh, that was, that was great. You know, it, it one thing I, I, I know in the traditional world, when you're out at work, overwork is more than a problem because it's expected. And if you don't overwork, it's like you're slacking. You're never going to move up. You're never going to move ahead, so on and so forth. Do, do the three of you notice that in any of the teachings or or? just in discussions with uh, people in your congregations or through the years, different things you've learned to deal with that 
you know, obviously things have changed from what they were 30 years ago. You know, the overwork maybe wasn't as expected as it was back then as it is now. Uh, so what have the three of you found in terms of dealing with that? Well, I, I would, sorry. Um, oh, ahead, I, I would just say that I, I think the quality of my work is better when I'm not overworking that uh, I can really pay attention to whatever the task at hand is. Uh, if I'm overworking, then I'm kind of pulled in all these different directions and, and I'm not sure that I do as good a job. Yeah, I think that's the same for, for all of us, Reverend Kathy. Rabbi Tom, you were gonna uh, say something? Yeah, I, I, was, I was going to say that, you know, we, we talk about the coming out of this, our, our uh, Zoom world and going back into the in-person world. But I'll tell you, the Zoom world, there are parts of it that aren't leaving, we all know. And one of them is, uh, because it happened well before pandemic, is the complete breakdown of the line between home and work, right? You know, it used to be however long you worked at the office, at least once you got home, you were home. But now you're not. You know, we're, 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 we're it's... I talked about the importance of separation, of having a sense that, that, that there is a that there is some kind of a Sabbath. We had that, even if we weren't necessarily religious, just a weekend was a kind of Sabbath. It's not anymore for most people. It is, there is no time when you're not working. There's no time when people aren't expecting to be able to reach you. As you said, 24-7. I mean, I came from a religion that started with the idea that 24-6 was enough. You know, but it, it's 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 extremely hard in this in today's world. And I think all I can say to people is if nobody else is going to give you a Sabbath then give yourself one, just force that on them as, as do what Kathy did. It's her day off. She's not going to check her emails about this. And, you know, so it's busy the next day. But. The idea that somehow you can actually stay ahead of the game is <laughs> foolish. You can't stay ahead of it. So don't try. Just keep it at bay and do mm. and give yourself some time and get the work done the rest of the time. That's, that's really well said. Uh, very well said. Uh, Pastor Jacob, how about yourself? I I, um, I appreciate Tom's comment about a twenty four seven world, a twenty four six religion. That's hilarious to me. I but I was actually thinking along those lines too, and it's actually one of the um, I think is one of the trouble factors in the tradition from which I come from. So we live in a twenty four seven world, and the Methodist Church falls within what's known as the holiness tradition at least at its root, it's in the holiness tradition. And so the idea being that one's faith becomes ever more important and one grows ever more close to God uh, and ever more holy, well, that means that faith should take up a bigger and bigger space, right, in one's, in one's life. And so you what, we, what we find ourselves in is in a 24-7 world and a 24-7 faith, and those numbers don't add up. And, uh, and so I was actually thinking there's a there's a hymn that kept ringing through my mind when I was thinking about today. It's Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. 
that's just incredible. I work, work, you know, that just sounds like work, 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 whether it be one's occupation or one's faith, it's just this constant doing, 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 doing. And so, you know, I, I recognize within my own tradition that, that there is some of this pushing to be busy perpetually. So, um, and we haven't all, always done a good job of encouraging people to have the 24 six mindset that rabbi Tom is referring to because, um, in the church world that I come from, you know, it's people work six days and then they work the seventh day at church. That's when you have worship and you have meetings and you have all that other stuff. And so we never really have a, a, a Sabbath person per se, which, which is unfortunate. Uh, and it wears us all, it wears us all out regard, regardless of our uh, occupation. So, so I think we have some amount of a responsibility to advocate for some amount of rest and that's hard. You know, I, I, I appreciate Kathy's drawing the line, you know, yesterday, I know when I try to draw that line, what often happens is I feel guilty about drawing it. And, um, and all the more reason perhaps for all of us to advocate for that time away for each, not just for ourselves, but for each other so that I don't have to feel guilty and Kathy doesn't have to feel guilty and anyone else, you know, they don't have to feel guilty for taking that time off to rest and realign their life. It, it is, you know, you'd have some people I'm sure say, Hey, at the end of the day, you're sitting down, you, you may be reading a book, you may put a program on the television, whatever it may be. But I, I don't know about the rest of you. I find both myself and my wife were getting text messages about work stuff. Something comes up, we see something, and it relates to work. There is, there, there is, it's gotten to the point, I think, where Quite often, there's zero downtime. A lot of times, even when you're sleeping, you wake up and you're like, I was thinking about this. It, it, and, you know, where's that balance and, and how do we get there? And do, do your different religions have a, a way of teaching people how to maintain that proper work-life balance or, or whatever you want to call it? You know, but there's got to be a point where people are able to shut off, you know, and I, I guess, you know, I'm sure the three of you and Pandora have some uh, great ideas on how to do that. I'd appreciate all of them because I don't have a clue. So Reverend Kathy, you were the one who actually did it yesterday. And for that, you deserve <laughs> a ton of credit because uh, I can't remember the last day I was able to do it. How do you, what kind of mindset do you use to approach? Because that is so hard to do in today's world. Yeah. Say, hey, I'm taking a day for myself. Yeah. Well, partly it's because um, I, I live on a small farm and there are chores required here. I, I simply have to set aside time for that. So I wouldn't say I was actually resting, but I was doing a different kind of work. Um, fixing the tractor and, and right. cleaning off the first layer of muck, <laughs> which has built up in the, in the frozen tundra there. But um, I think my understanding of all of this comes both from the Jewish tradition of Sabbath, uh, you know, setting aside 
time for a particular purpose, for rest, for creativity, for relationships. Um, and also from the monastic tradition, having, you know, certain hours where there's time for prayer, there's time for study, there's time for, uh, for work, there's time for rest, for all of these different things. And so, yeah, setting, setting aside those, those times that are holy and, and, and as we said, it's all holy, it's all important. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to find that balance. You know, sometimes it's just going in the direction of the things that are calling the loudest. Mm. If, um, you know, my body hurts, I need to go exercise or my mind's starting to get a little frantic. So I need to have some time for meditation and prayer or um, or I need to, you know, go, go spend some time with my spouse or, or my animals or whatever. So, um, or sometimes there's just something at work that absolutely has to get done right now. And that's, yeah. that does, that does happen. That does happen. Yep. And you, you have to, no matter if your profession is a clergy person or it's someone working at a local convenience store, sometimes there are things mm -hmm. that need to get done. I, That's right. Rabbi Tom, I, I'd love the 24-6 idea. How do we get people to actually do that or do a version of it? Oh, a couple of things. First, I just I, I want to get back to this concept of, of separation because you look at the, the story of creation and it says God separates the light from the darkness and this sense of breaking things apart and having spaces for things is just essential to a real world. When you don't have that, there's an opposite to that. And that's chaos, where everything is all blurred together and there's nothing that's separate. And so we need to live in a world that doesn't have, that where chaos, as much as it pushes in, will not completely take over. That's not easy. It's not easy. And you, know, you set aside times and they don't always work. I mean, among the more, you know, among Jews who follow a more traditional practice than I do, uh, it, you do actually have incredibly strict lines and there are a bunch of things you just don't do on the Sabbath and nothing interferes. For those of us who are, do a more modern version of that, it's hard to draw that. But a, a teacher of mine, the, um, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, who once taught, so you have to do something else. You have to remember throughout Shabbat, throughout the Sabbath, that it is the Sabbath. So if you happen to be doing a shopping trip or something, remember that it's the Sabbath. Just keep remembering it. Because the more you remember that, there, that you are indeed an inheritor of a tradition that says, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath that you are supposed to rest. If you remember you're an inheritor of that, then it makes it easier to find times to do this. It, the, the consciousness of being aware that this is something that's owed to you and you should have it is important because most of us, I think, don't think it's owed to us. They don't think the rest is something that, you know, we ought to get. It's, it's, it's a luxury. It's not. So you're changing the conversation by looking at the qualitative aspects of having that Sabbath, that time that you step aside from the quantitative hours measured to work. 
and do those responsibilities. So it's change. It's using a different vocabulary. It's looking at that the qualitative aspects of life through the lens of faith, through the lens of the relationships that you're trying to keep healthy. I, I hear that from you and and from uh, Reverend Kathy and from uh, Pastor Jacob. I think that's what you're all saying is looking qualitatively. I think so. I I think that's a exceptional way of looking at it at a personal level. I do think you do have to look at it at a quantitative level if we're going to look at changing it systemically. Uh, and a kind of a case in point example, just kind of digging through some historical stuff uh, for my tradition, the United Methodist Church or the Methodist Church in its history has been a long supporter of um, workers' rights. And in fact, in 1908, um, the Methodist Episcopal Church was one of the first religious bodies in the United States to to adopt a social creed, one of which was uh, saying that the Methodist Episcopal Church would stand for the gradual and reasonable reduction of hours of labor to the lowest practical point with work for all and for that degree of leisure for all which is the condition of the highest human life and for a release from employment one day in seven, right? And so I think if if we're going to talk about overwork systemically in our culture, there has to be some quantitative analysis and some um, interventions from above, and I don't mean God, right, but from like some uh, governmental interventions about helping to keep us accountable not to work over X number of hours or X number of, of days. Um, but when it comes to quantitative, I ran across something that, which I think could be a really great motto. Um, it was a letter that John Wesley wrote, and it's called A Word to, to a Sabbath Breaker. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting title. But at the end of it, at the end of it, he, um, he says, spend this day as thou hopes to spend that day, which never shall have an end. So uh, in other words, if you really want to work for the rest of your life, you know, your knuckles to the bone, spend your day that way. But if you want to have some amount of joy and peace, then make sure to spend the, some part of the day cultivating that joy and peace within. Spend today as you hope to spend essentially eternity. And I, I think that might be a good qualitative rule for us as, um, as individuals. I, I think that's some, uh, an, an excellent approach, Pastor. I, I uh, thank you for sharing those words too. I appreciate it. You know, we're we're running uh, a little low on time, so I would like to first of all just uh, thank all of you up until this point for your input. I also would like to uh, publicly announce that I met Rabbi Tom in person. So we've been doing this show for I have no idea how long. And we ran into each other at Elizabeth's Bagels. And we the funny thing is, we both had our masks on, and right away we knew who the other one was. So Rabbi Tom is now my my dear long-lost friend, uh, and hopefully we'll run into each other uh, quite often. But it was good to at least get one of our uh, show people 
that we actually saw in person. So uh, thanks for that, Rabbi. And I know you're going to lead us in some uh, spiritual reflection that I'm sure you garnered after you and I left Elizabeth's. Absolutely. Uh, you're my buddy now, and so we can <laughs> um, So there's a story I want to share. The, uh, the, there are these stories that the rabbis tell of the famous rabbis meeting with the emperor of Rome. I'd be very shocked if the emperor of Rome actually met with any of the famous rabbis, but it doesn't matter. It's a good story anyway. So the story is that this rabbi has the emperor of Rome over for dinner, and the emperor uh, is shut. It, 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 it's for, for dinner, and it's for you know Friday night, for the Sabbath, for Shabbat dinner. And the emperor is just thrilled with how wonderful everything tastes. And so he sends his cook over uh, afterwards to, to get all the recipes. And of course, they give him all the recipes. The cook, obviously a highly trained chef, prepares all of these recipes and it's presented before the emperor and eats it. And he says, it's, it, you, you didn't get it right. So the cook goes back and he tries to see, did I do this wrong? No, no, you did everything right. Prevent, presents it again, same thing. Finally, the emperor, after several tries, goes to talk to the rabbi and says, what happened? I, I, uh, I had my cook do all this. And the rabbi says, oh, I know. Let me see. And he looks at the list of ingredients. Oh, I see. He uh, left out a special spice. And he says, what's the spice? He says, the spice is Shabbat. It's the Sabbath. So I hope that everyone can find a time for that, their own Sabbath, for their own special spice to make their meals be one of peace and love and comfort uh, in this world. Shabbat shalom. That's, yeah, that is awesome, Rabbi Tom. That is that is great. Uh, Pandora, I can't. I'm I'm done. I can't add anything to that. What a what a great closing to a, a wonderful show with our first with Pastor Jacob having him with us. What a great way to end it. So uh, I've got nothing, Pandora. You can take it from here. I am. I don't either. I I really <laughs> appreciated the story, and it was a nice yeah. kind of sense of peace at the end of an hour-long discussion and just brought the whole matter to full circle closure. So thank you for sharing that with all of us. Uh, Jay and I thank all of you for joining us um, each month. Thank Reverend Kathy McAdams. Rabbi Tom Alpert, Pastor Jacob Junker, our technician, Keith Palmieri. And we wish you all uh, enjoy the broadcast and uh, we look forward to um, sharing time with you next month. Thank you. Thank you.